0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Breaking Down the Doors. Joe Rexroad, I'm here with Adam Sparks. We're at the Tennessean, and Adam Sparks recently spent some time with the new Athletic Director at Vanderbilt, or Athletics Director at Vanderbilt. Athletics. This is a big thing for people. Athletics Director. Do you write Athletics I, Director I, Athletic Director?
1: Uh, 80% of my uh, career i said Athletic Director director you go, you've gone to athletics I've recently turned to athletics because there are multiple athletics
0: right he's it's not a like a director who is athletic right it's It'd be, he's not a director of athletics he's not a
1: sport director he's a sports director See yeah I, and you're not wrong
0: but i still never do it I write athletic director. AD. I'm sorry. AD. Yeah, I, I do ad a lot. You
1: also write Vandy in your columns, which and you hate a, that, don't you? Well, I don't. I was just told on day one here. Don't we don't use Vandy. We use Vanderbilt. And then you came in and said, I don't care about the rules. But <laughs> <Vandy."> <laughs> well, I mean, it's just like I mean, look, some schools you cover.
0: You know, I covered you State forever. MSU. Okay, it gi- it gives you that brevity. I mean, you're trying to save space. So I'm sorry, but. When you can replace an E-R-B-I-L-T with a Y... I mean, you know, that adds up over time.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I covered MTSU for years, and we would not use Middle Tennessee. That was a fight that we had all the time. Yeah. I don't care what you – if you call it Middle Tennessee, it's MTSU to us. And then we fought that and fought that and fought that, and then just one day here, we were like, no, we're going to go with Middle Tennessee. So it just – one person comes in and changes it. It, it, it. All the rules go right out the window.
0: But that is still second reference. MTSU is okay, right? Because I do that still.
1: Yeah, whatever Google tells us is best. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> well, anyway,
0: you spent time with – Malcolm Vandy Turner. A.D., Malcolm Turner, the new A.D. at Vanderbilt, who just started. You were there with him the first time, first day on the job. He had a press conference Sunday before the women's basketball team lost to Lady Vols. By the way, we will get to football. We will get to the basketball teams. But tell me about Malcolm Turner, your burning impressions now
1: you know you you can never tell if a guy's going to be successful based on resume or you know the first hour you sit down with him but you can pick out a few things about his characteristics he's an extremely personable guy he's an inquisitive guy you know i've said this probably on here before but the anytime you hire a coach an athletic director anytime you elect a president so to speak you a lot of times you look for the opposite attributes of the previous person. And I think that's what Vandy did here. I know that's what Vandy did here because Malcolm Turner has a lot of the things that David Williams lacks You know, Now, David Williams had a lot of strengths, and we've talked about those on here. You've written about those. And hopefully Malcolm Turner can kind of pick up some of those and continue them. But uh, David Williams was not a fundraiser. He was not necessarily a people person. As far as that would go in fundraising and selling the program, he was more an introspective person. Malcolm Turner has all those other attributes. He... Okay, for example, we talked about uh, the stadium and what should happen with the football stadium, and obviously that's the biggest topic he'll have to wrangle as he comes in. And, you know, we went back and forth, and he said, and I can say this because he actually said it on the record during our interview, he said, I want to know what you think, asking me, what do you think about the stadium? I want to know what your thoughts are, what works, what doesn't work, what do people think? And we actually had a couple conversations about the stadium after that, and he and I have swapped emails and sort and things. And so, what'd you tell him? <laughs> I mean, we we
0: want, we, want, we all want to know. Well, now my th- what is the Adam Sparks what, improvement plan?
1: Well, I gave him somewhat of my take. Was I thought my role in that is to provide what I what I hear from Vandy fans and try to encapsulate that because he's going to hear from a thousand different people. You know, we put out a survey, which he asked about, and I provided some of that information. We put out a survey a few months ago with the Tennessean of what, what complaints Vandy fans have most about the stadium. I talked to him about that. But, you know, in that, we got like a thousand commentaries from fans, people just writing like a thousand words about, you know, what their complaints are, which is what we ask for. But... He, he doesn't want to deal with all those things, so I tried to summarize a lot of those complaints to him. And I told him, you know, to summarize what I told him, I said there are a lot of actually customer-friendly things that can be fixed, I think, without a huge cost. Bathrooms are too small or too crowded. The seats are very uncomfortable. That was the number one thing on our survey. Seats are very uncomfortable. They don't have chair backs. They're just hard bleachers. Make those into chair backs. Put a bench, put a put a put a chair back on the back of the of the bleachers. Maybe enlarge the bathrooms. Do something there. Get far better Wi Fi than there is. Some some older fans have told me recently, there's no railings when you go. You know, Vanderbilt Stadium's on one deck. So if you're in the top, you gotta walk from the bottom to the top. And I've had people, you know, over sixty years old that have told me I had to drop my season tickets because it's too dangerous for me to climb 100 steps without a railing. And I've nearly fallen. I'll, I'll, I'll admit that to you. I mean, you know, there's a lot of... So, I don't know the price tag for a lot of those Yeah, I was going to say, I don't
0: think... You, I mean, the those stuff you simple. listed, it may sound simple, but a, even the Wi-Fi is crazy expensive, you know?
1: Yeah, but I mean, it's I mean, not... it's not, not, not relative
0: things, to, like, building a new stadium or something. Those but. things
1: are not $200 million stadium. Right. Uh, those are, well, it takes $2 million to fix this. It takes... A million to fix that. These sort of things. I mean, you know, putting a lot of chair back seats into that place is going to have some that be cost. Stru- yeah, structural yeah. issues, logistical issues, a whole lot of things. But I listed of, there were others on that list. But I listed those things, and I told him that from our survey and the conversations I've had informally with fans is that most fans outside of Twitter don't expect a brand new stadium. I think most reasonable fans say can you fix all the things in this list in the current stadium in a renovation and just make us feel like we're heard? I even told him that. I said, a lot of these things on this list are things that, you know, fans feel like they're not heard at all. They make a complaint and nothing's ever done about it. And I think that really resonated with him. He'll have a whole lot of other people to talk to, including high donors and boosters that look at those luxury suites and cringe. And those need to be fixed, too, because you're getting money from the donors. But he was very receptive to listening. You know, he used that line with us in the first uh, conference call, a listening tour. But it is sincere. This is not a used car salesman type of fundraiser. This is a, I want to sit and listen to everything everybody ha- says. And once I get all that information, then I want to go solve the problem.
0: Yeah, and to your point, I mean, it's a good point. I mean, some of this is, is simply like a PR thing, and it's just Vanderbilt's refusal to acknowledge a lot of these things that of course we've written about and and everyone has talked about in this town. So if he becomes an active voice, even to just throw out ideas accept and, and acknowledge listening to ideas I think that's a pretty significant step forward in itself
1: yeah and, and the question that a lot of people are going to have is say well but yeah but what experiences he have in that I mean he's he was a sports consultant for 15 16 years he was the NBA G League president for the past four and a half years he's not been a college athletics administrator of any kind has not been in administration at all in in, in sports like that he's But he's worked with every professional league. He's worked at the NCAA. He's worked with a lot of different brands. And and I asked him in our interview about how that can transition into the problems that he's inheriting at Vanderbilt. And here's what he had to say. Just the inherent nature of that business, you know, on the brand side, for example, you know, working with American Express and understanding what makes them tick, how they make money, then how do we translate that to a sports marketing strategy? that can help grow their business, you know, on one day to T-Mobile the next, PepsiCo, in and out of very different categories across all different kinds of sports, was just, I think, a bit of a skill set that I was able to develop to very quickly kind of get up to speed on different businesses on the brand side, but similarly on the property side, you know, where we, you know, worked in golf to NASCAR to college sports to NFL, and so those are areas that, you know, again, I think I've just been accustomed to getting in and out of issues very quickly. Um, and so I think that's in large part just kind of how I started early on in the bulk of my career to begin with. So, you know, you don't think of it like that. He, you know, he lists their T-Mobile and PepsiCo and those types of things. Those are all brands and he's worked with leagues. But basically his MO as a consultant was... We have this brand, and we have this professional league, or the NCAA. We need you to go in and figure out how those two can match, how those two can work together, and solve the problem of how they can work together. And he would come in as a blank sheet of paper, is the way he explains it, learn absolutely everything. I even said to him, you you, kind of like nerding out on a problem. He likes to just go in and just... Learn absolutely everything in a short period of time about a company and a league and a problem, and then pull back and solve the problem. And that's what he has to do with Vandy. That's what the listening tour is. It's not a PR stunt. It's a I want to I want to go in and you know kind of geek out for the test and then take the test.
0: Yeah, uh, and you know the obvious when I mean, you mentioned the experience thing. There are some people, and this is less and less now today. But of course the reason most athletic directors were coaches is it just makes sense you know you're dealing with coaches you're hiring them you're firing them you're you're working with them on a daily basis much it's comfortable for coaches to have a coach in that spot of course we've gotten well away from that in college athletics and really it's more the exception now much more the exception now than the rule that you'd have the you know the old ball coach as the ad tennessee has philip fulmer you know, I think of Wisconsin had Barry Alvarez for a long time. I mean, not long ago, it was widespread. It has become, it's such a big business now. There are so many aspects of it that really the the business slash marketing background is valued. And that's where I think he, first of all, marketing, certainly another huge step forward, a huge opportunity here for Vanderbilt. And obviously he gets that. And the success with the G League speaks directly to that. The fundraising, you know, that's, I mean to me he does not have the specific experience with it in in this world but to me if you've got the right personality you can get that done and I I've been around him a lot less than you have but it's not it doesn't take long to think yeah I could see this guy doing really well and I always think about that I always think about that with coaches you think about how is this person going to recruit because it ultimately it's the lifeblood of your of your teams of your program, and the same thing with ads. I think in terms of can this person, you know, really go raise money? Because you just you have to. There is no other way around it. And there's again, uh, to me, tons of potential. For Vanderbilt, even with a small private school, you know, you can, you can get a lot done. I mean, Northwestern is a great example.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the characteristics of a good fundraiser are there. I'll, I'll give you an example. So I sit down with him, have the interview the other day, spend some time with him, and then I look at my phone and there's an email about our conversation from him. I talked to some other coaches on campus. Uh, now, keep in mind, when he got the job back in, what was that, November, I think it was, it, within five minutes of him being an announced officially, he was on He was on the phone with coaches, and he called every one of the head coaches, go ahead and touch base with them, have some contact there, introduce himself. Uh, and then in his first weekend, he went around and met every coach, talked to every student athlete. And then, you know, if you watched him closely on that day, and I followed him around some – He would leave a conversation with a coach and then be on his phone. And what he was doing was one of two things. Number one, he was emailing a previous coach. So he talks to Tim Corbin at 8 a.m. And he talks to Bryce Drew at 9 a.m. Well, after that 9 a.m. meeting, he is emailing Tim Corbin, Hey, thanks. You know, it's just an hour ago, but I already, you know, we had a great conversation. I like this about what we talked about, and he's 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 keeping that that line of communication open. Then, right after that, he is emailing Bryce Drew. Hey, here's three things that just popped into my head that we need to look at and, and address. And he will brainstorm on an email and send that to that coach. And he is just firing off emails all the time, trying to get the ball rolling on some problems while also you know, building a relationship with the coaches. And he 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 does that from, from early morning till late at night. And that's you know, that's that's David Williams has his strengths. David Williams did not do that.
0: I mean I'd get so confused so quickly living like that. <laughs> I think <laughs> Sometimes I text myself I I'm on my phone, but I'm texting myself things to remember, you know.
1: <laughs> I think that's I think that's why you know that's that's why you email though. Then you can you have a you know you, you have, have a, a record you have a written record sure. of it. Yeah. You and I tweet sure. and a lot of times that when we write a story you look back in your own tweets right to oh yeah that happened and that happened and so yeah I would get a little confused by that too. But he is a he is a self described workaholic and you know he loves he he loves jumping into action again learning everything quickly and then doing something with it and he, he you know he didn't put a didn't put the line on it first hundred days or any of that sort of stuff but i suspect there'll be some announcements early in his tenure about some things they want to do
0: yeah and and you know there's been some rumblings and and uh it seems like that uh makes sense and i think vanderbilt fans will be excited and probably should be because some of these things are long overdue now one of the big things malcolm turner has to figure out is this football program
1: Oh, we're not going to ba- basketball. Come we'll to go to basketball sure. last. Okay, We've sure. already. Yeah. Well,
0: he was. You who's, know. He
1: gonna who's he going to fire? Who's yeah. The, yeah right, that's right, the right, questions right. I've already gotten on Twitter.
0: Oh, sure. Yeah. Who's who's getting fired first? No, the football program. Uh, si- secondary signing day this week, Adam.
1: is that, is, is that the name <laughs> that's, you're you know, to?
0: I I can't. Uh, they need to. I don't know. I mean, I like the early signing period. I
1: I, I but had an it idea. It makes the
0: whole thing sort of more diluted. To I me.
1: talked to somebody at Vanderbilt yesterday, and they were saying, "How do you like this? Do you not like it?" That sort of thing. I had. I said, "If we want to turn it." into a media event again let's not do the early signing and the late signing let's give each team five signees per week for five weeks Ooh, you know then you get five and then you reshuffle the deck and then you get five more the next and we can we can talk about during the week of who's next on the you know it's it's more of a draft right Uh, yeah and now it would it would kill me and you too probably but
0: yeah. Well, and of course, you know, with all the minds changing and decommitments and, you know, that yeah. would, I mean, I, hey, I, it's, it's, I, I like the thought there. Um, yeah. I don't know what, I, I mean, the thing is to evaluate the class is now. This is when you evaluate the class. And because now you have, you know, the signees, you know, the, the totality of a class. And so you, you know, you have the rankings and all that stuff. But most of the kids, and I think it'll be more and more, are signing. Previously.
1: Yeah. Well, okay. Official, the, uh, you, how you officially judge the class and unofficially. Officially, Vandy's in the 50s, I think, now in the rankings. Yeah. Like I saw that. something
0: that had him 65. But yeah.
1: Yeah. It depends on. Yeah. yeah okay. Depends, it depends after it, I ranking. guess he did get that bad. So people look at that. How did that happen? Well, Vandy has seven transfers, uh, only, I think, two of which maybe junior college transfers. That will even count in those rankings, and three guys have not even signed yet. They won't count anyway because they're grad wouldn't transfers wouldn't count now anyway, right? But Vandy has seven transfers total, you know, and th- this is the new route that they're going. So they've got they've got a corner from. Uh, I, I like this. They went to both last chance U schools, the East Mississippi and the Independents. Uh, so they got. But if, if you ever watch that show, those are D one guys that go there usually for a year and then go elsewhere. Most of those guys that you see on Last Chance U are not the academic taps, but these guys are that Vandy has. So, you know, they got one uh, that was a Wisconsin cornerback and started part of the year as a freshman, uh, Dante Dante Carrier-Williams. He could come in and start right away. They've got Paulino Bell, LaShawn Paulino Bell, who was at Michigan State back a few years ago. The um,
0: Michigan to Tennessee migration continues. That's right.
1: That's right. So you know that's a guy that that they'll plug in fairly quickly. Justice Shelton Mosley is a Harvard graduate transfer, one of the best punt returners in the country at any level, and a pretty good slot receiver. Riley Neal obviously is the quarterback uh, graduate transfer from Ball State. Started thirty-two games third in school history there and passing uh, Rowan Godwin who, it's a long story, but I actually know a little bit about him, he, at South Alabama he's a Sunbelt Conference guy uh, he was at Army for a while, he's a, an offensive guard, he will be a plug-in guy, don't know if he'll start or not, but he'll give them depth, and I'm probably forgetting somebody, but there's uh, Brandon Maddox, a junior college offensive lineman, I think that's all seven of them, but you know, they've got those guys and they're freshmen, you don't count most of those transfers certainly the graduate transfers in the list but vandy is i think vandy sees the pipeline there of graduate transfers um academic academic type schools that they can go to ivy league schools which they've done the past couple of years some junior college guys that were division one um qualifiers right out of right out of high school and they're going that route and you know that they think they can plug and play a little more with those guys. Eddie zinn Turner, that was the other one I was trying to remember. Marist, he's a Marist graduate transfer, mm-hmm. a nose guard. So, you know, and and by the way, if we look at what they've got coming back now, Keyshawn Vaughn, Jared Pinkney, Nikolaj Lipscomb, with a new quarterback, you can you can win more now with what you have coming back than we thought when we figured all these guys were leaving to the NFL and they get back like ninety percent of the skill guys.
0: Yeah, I mean the the question, I think it's usually the question. But I think especially now is just in the trenches. Do they have enough? Can they can they put together a competitive offensive line? Do they can they get any more disruption up front defensively to to take the you know the pressure off that back seven or back eight, however you want to look at it. Um, you know that's t- TBD, right? I mean that's just.
1: Well, that's in the transfers. They went heavy with defensive linemen, and that's what they're doing there. They've got a few younger guys they liked last year that didn't quite develop. We'll see if they do this year. But you, you've got some, you've got some big bodies that they're plugging in with the transfers on the defensive line, on the offensive line. I do have a bigger question. I mean, even back in the December signing day, I asked Derek Mason about you know all these quarterbacks or mobile guys that you have coming in, whether it's Riley Neal or, or Deuce Wallace or some of the other guys you're bringing back. And, you know, he, he kind of said what we were thinking, which is, well, we've got to rebuild the offensive line so you can't have a statue as a quarterback sitting in there because he's going to get hit. So you've got to have a guy that can move around. And, yeah, I think offensive line is going to be a, a huge factor on this team. Number one, protecting whoever the quarterback is. But number two, making sure that Keyshawn Vaughn coming back isn't wasted because if he doesn't have the line, he could be a guy that gets beat up and doesn't have the year that, that we think he could.
0: Yeah, and on the D-line, D- D- Davion Davis is a guy in the primary signing day or first signing day, Derek Mason talked a lot. I mean, some of his comments made me raise my eyebrows a little bit. He thinks he could be, you know, one of a space eater that you really need in this defense to, f- to make it really work. Okay, before we go to basketball, I want you to answer these two questions for me. Who's going to be the quarterback next year? Who's going to be the offensive coordinator next year?
1: Oh, God, offensive coordinator. Offensive coordinator will know next week. The easy answer is I don't know. Well, I don't know the, to the extent that I can report it. You know, okay. Well, there's you've a,
0: opened the door. Well, the, there's the door a th- is
1: cracked open. There's two or three names that have floated out there. One of them's already off the market. The Pep Hamilton is he off the market yet? I don't Not f- that I know of. I don't think so. Just uh, got released
0: by Michigan.
1: Yeah, that's a possibility. You know, he was the guy um, that we thought was going to be the head coach before Derek got it. I don't know if that's a fit or not. But, I mean, the obvious own staff is Jerry Godowski. He was a former offensive coordinator. I guess that would have been at Ohio, worked with Derek in the past, has been here since he got here, since Derek got here. He's been the quarterback's coach, tight end's coach. Um, he would certainly work well with Deuce Wallace because he's been his quarterback's coach before. If it's own staff, it's Godowski. Uh, there's a couple
0: other – Well, don't you feel like it's going to be Godowski as a co-OC with someone they hire? That's one thing that I've thought of, but and also, is that a deterrent? Possibly. How so? Well, I mean, if someone doesn't want to be, well, I don't want to be a co I want to be your OC.
1: Well, you can have a— This can, is
0: all speculative on my part. You
1: can bring in a young offensive, co-offensive coordinator that will take that on because they just want to have the title co-OC, and— Maybe there's a the play caller, maybe they're not. but Gadowski who's a, who's a you know kind of an established veteran guy could bring along a young play caller. and you could have options between those two. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. A couple of the names that I'd heard floated out were were more of the young OC types, but uh, but we'll see mid majors is, is a lot of what I've heard. Pep Hamilton coming into it is, is, that's a possibility. but you know Gadowski, I think, has got to get a pretty long look. People are asking why it's taking so long. There's a few things you don't have to rush. Things number one. Well, some would say you
0: do for no. sign day, but obviously, you know they got through signing day. Signing day doesn't seriously day, impact anything.
1: Yeah, second signing day impacts very little in coaches now. Uh, the only thing you think it usually impacts is quarterbacks. But Riley Neal was already on campus when no. Andy Ludwig left, so that doesn't affect things. He's uh, still got over a month till spring practice. You know, it's it's fine. People just need to chill out a little bit and and just. Just let it happen. Plus, the new AD just got here. The new AD, I think, would like to, you know, know who a six-figure hire is going to be. You know, at least be told that, maybe meet the guy or something before he's officially hired. What was your other question? Oh, quarterback. Yeah, he's a quarterback. Uh, so you
0: didn't answer the first one. Let's see if you answer the
1: second one. No, not really. <laughs> um, well, but, but this really is my answer of both Wallace and Neil. I'm not saying they're oh, going to get injured. Two QB system. Oh, both. Well, I don't think they're going to do the old. Uh, oh, who was it? Uh, oh, the Cowboys used to do it, where they would swap in uh, back and forth, Danny White and whoever the other one was at the time.
0: You're going back now.
1: Yeah, it's early '80s. Oh no, 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 no. That was late '80s. Roger Stalbeck. Yeah, well, or, Stalbeck I mean was I mean, out late there. 70s, late, late '70s. Late '70s. Yes, late '70s. Yeah, yes, Sorry, not late '80s. No, it's not going to be that, uh, but I think both will play. Deuce Wallace is good enough to play, and he's got a skill set that I think they're going to need. Riley Neal can really sling it, and he looks the part and he's played the part, and we'll see if he if Ball State can transition into facing LSU in Georgia. That's still a decent leap. I don't think he would be intimidated by it, but spring is going to be really fun. But I honestly think... Both of those will play meaningful snaps at quarterback this year. They may even both start. I could I could see that happening, especially with a new offensive coordinator, because you know they don't. Even if it is Godowski, they don't they don't really have you know a track record of of trotting out either one of those guys with the offense. I think they would like to see them both in game action. Both both will play. I think.
0: Brad Roethlisberger and Byron Leftwich would like a word with you on your characterization uh, of Mac competition but no
1: point taken charlie fry do you remember him oh yeah at absolutely akron, akron yeah. yeah
0: good player a lot of good players out of it i mean bruce got dan lefevre jordan lynch on and on and on. Uh, charlie batch former lions uh hero all right we're gonna spend just a minute here before we get out of here on, on the hoops misery um first of all i've i watched closely the vanderbilt women the last couple games including the game at texas a&m and then of course the loss of lady vols and i'm sorry i'm i'm staying on i can see what Stephanie White is is trying to do hmm. here, and I think that there's in terms of the roster making it more athletic. Uh, I I can see where it could flip to good. Now it still has to flip to good, and it has not. But I like how the team fights. I I like Chelsea Hall getting healthier, and you know I mean, Chelsea Hall and Lili Carter had just terrible luck against the Lady Vols I mean, there's no other way to put it. They got in position and missed a bunch of easy shots but they got where they wanted to go and i think if you had them both working together they could be really good well at bo- some point
1: both coaches both brass true and, and stephanie both have the same question of you've got to tip the scales one way or the other of they've got a lot of talent good for them they brought in a lot of talent they're not winning with that talent and you have to you know the the it has to go one way or the other is that is that a reason for concern or is that a reason for optimism you're still leaning a little bit toward optimism because you think they can flip to to a win
0: and i don't even know if it's leaning toward optimism but i'm just not there's just i've you talk to people and it's just like oh forget about it you know with stephanie white and more and more with bryce Stewart. and i think that's i understand how it goes People always overreact and always want to speed up the clock, but I'm just I'm cautioning on both.
1: Oh, right I'm now. I'm okay, but that that's that that sounds more where I'm at then because I think both of them can win. I, I I'm i li- I'm more concerned now with both programs than I was a month ago. You know, it's funny. Yeah, I'm a little I'm a little less concerned with the women's team than I was. I still I see some light at the end of the tunnel there. There are some pieces there, and you can see it in flashes. I think the bigs change everything. The fact that they have some athletes on the perimeter, but they have bigs with them changes my mind a little bit because you can see pockets of, okay, if they're that for a longer period of time, that can win. Yeah. I mean, like Jordan
0: Cambridge, I think, could be a dynamite player at some point. Isn't there yet, but you can see how it could happen. I mean, some of this is – individual growth and desire and off season and all that stuff but well, well, I, mean, I agree okay. on more light at the end of the tunnel.
1: Back to our AD conversation, you know, I asked Malcolm Turner how do you how do you gauge these coaches and he said, you know, I have a pretty good eye for basketball. He's been in the NBA G League for for a few years, NBA uh, senior leadership, but he I thought he made an inter- interesting point. He said, I do have resources and perspective that I can lean on. And I think that's code for I can call NBA scouts. Uh, NBA people that I know and say, "Hey, you watch this team." You yeah, watch what do you players. think of the coaching? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Are they underusing this guy? Mm-hmm. Are they? And, and uh, WNBA. He actually started his internship in the WNBA. He has friends there that he can call and say, "These these players and that coach." And Stephanie played in the WNBA. She coached for a team in the finals in the WNBA what's what's not working there that you're seeing and he can make those phone calls pretty quickly now I don't see either of these coaches losing their job this year both no. have at least two years left on their contract and both of them have a reasonable excuse a little bit of why things didn't happen this year mostly around injuries uh, it should not have gone this poorly for either of them but he, he you know he's gonna he's going watch both of these coaches.
0: Yeah, and real quick on the men. I mean, they should have won at Arkansas. They had a good possession that d- ended in a three. There were some bad calls. Samisha, too looked like a guy again. I don't know if they're going to. I don't know if they're going to win a game or not. But at least this was a game where you said, "Well, they haven't stopped playing, and they figured some things out." Um, and Shatoo, especially to me, that was a because you know we were like, "Gosh, he's sitting in the second half of the Missouri game," and you know that was a potentially significant development as as significant as development can be for a team this bad so there you go there's our podcast everyone thanks for listening we'll be back soon on breaking down the doors